0: Hi, Sherry here. I wanted to just stop by and give you a little update on Chelsea, my guest this week. Chelsea has gone from no yoga to her yoga practice starting in 2014 to creating a whole series of drills that she labeled Rising Up Stronger. And she created a workbook that you can purchase and do those drills on your own. She also now has a playbook app where you can go up and practice with her and she has recorded all of the drills from the Rising Up Stronger ebook into her playbook. So you can go up and do those drills online with a video for help. You can find Chelsea on Instagram at Chelsea's Yoga C-H-E-L-S-E-A-S, Y-O-G-A. You can also find her on her website at www.chelseasyoga.com, spelled the same as her name on Instagram. You can also find her on playbook under chelsea-seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N. If you go through her link, which you can click to on her Instagram site, that link will take you directly through to her playbook and you can sign up for a free trial and then be able to sign up for the monthly membership after that to be able to continue to practice with her online on that site. I hope you enjoy having all of those options to be able to find her. She shares a great deal on Instagram as well. She is leading yoga retreats All over the world right now, and has new retreats coming up this year, as well as she's also planning retreats for 2020. So go ahead and go to her website, check out her schedule, get in the loop about where she is, and enjoy this interview. It's really, really an enjoyable interview to listen to her talk about her journey and her capacity to be able to rise up stronger in her life transformation. Thanks for joining us. Stories we all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks, and I'd like to know, what's your story? Good morning, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks, the podcast that's all about sharing women's stories. It's all about creating conversations around things that are important and interesting to women so thanks for joining me today i would like to welcome my guest chelsea she is another person that i have found on instagram i found so many incredible inspiring women on instagram and asked her to join me this is her very first podcast that she's ever done so i'm really excited to be the one to help introduce her into the podcast world she is a yogi a yoga instructor a mama to three children. And in the last 18 months or so, she's made some really big changes in her life, including selling a home and moving and doing a whole lot of travel. And so I'm so excited to talk with her today. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chelsea.
1: Oh, thank you. Good morning.
0: Good morning. <laughs> so, would you just give everybody a little bit of a background about who you are and what your, what your passions are right now.
1: Yeah, I guess my story, I feel like I always kind of started with, I was married very young and I had babies very quickly. And through that, my whole world, I started wearing all of those hats. So I did that. I have three kids. They're now 12, uh, 10, almost 11 and nine. He would want you to know almost 11. And, um, (laughs) And so my whole world revolved around that. I lived, I lived far out from cities and, you know, to the grocery store was 20 minutes. Everything was really far away. So my whole world was encompassed by that. And being a stay-at-home mom, that's, that's what I did. And when my kids got a little bigger, I took my very first yoga class deciding it was time for me to take a little space in my day for me. And it changed everything. It was the first time in my life that I found quiet and peace. And I realized that I was very, very aware and very present of what it felt like to be on my mat where normally my mind would race. And so that began my love of getting on my mat and yoga and wanting to deepen my practice. And shortly thereafter, my teacher training started and I felt a giant shift in my life. I don't know. How long 30- ago was that? I, I w- That was 2014. So almost five years ago. Okay. And yeah, it, I didn't realize that I needed it until I had it. I'm 35 now. And I feel like, now <laughs> i'm surfacing and and realizing that i'm stepping a little more into my into my own versus just going through the motions which i spent a lot of my life doing so uh,
0: well you know that's that's something that i understand completely you know you're doing things that you either think that you're supposed to do because that's what you have in your mind either from society or, or yeah. whatever it is that you have to do these things in order to be considered a good mother or a yes. good person or yeah. whatever it is and as i speak to a lot of different women as well as kind of go on this journey of discovery for myself it's one of those things where you realize that that internal dialogue wherever it came from, whether it came from some kind of a family story or what you hear and see in the media or from friends or whatever it is, is that we get all of this information and then we're forever trying to do the right thing, be the right thing, be all the things that we think we're supposed to be. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we don't know who we are anymore.
1: Oh, goodness. Yep. You just said a mouthful. That's exactly it is. Yeah, it was it was a story that I'd known my entire life. And And I was, my mom was, uh, almost 21 when she had me and I'm the oldest of five and her mom was 20 when she had her and my mom was a stay at home mom. And she, when I started to get a little older, uh, maybe 10 ish or so, she started to branch out and became a little bit of an entrepreneur and, and do different things to make money. And now she's a photographer and does that. But yeah, it was, it was so modeled for me, the idea of, You just or yeah. I was nineteen when I met my children's dad, and um, I was married at twenty-one. And I was so excited, to just quit my job and have babies, and that is everything I thought that I was supposed to do. It's all that I. It's all that I knew. I is with traveling now in my life. I also feel like I firmly believe that that was never something that I would do that even the point of having a passport was just because my dad was in the air force and worked for Boeing so I got a stamp when I was young because we had to move and after that I thought why do I need a passport i guess mexico's close i'll try that but other than that i thought oh i'll never do anything and yeah, it's just, it is. It's the story that we tell ourselves or or maybe that we're not brave enough or we're not as strong as we think we are or...
0: Well, I also think, just like you, um, I grew up in a family where we either yeah, was three kids, there wasn't a lot of money. We we went to the oregon coast every summer for vacations our big vacation was to go down and visit neighbors who'd moved from our street down to california to go to disneyland for a week Mm, and so the first time that i was ever on an airplane was when i graduated from high school and my folks sent me to hawaii for my graduation present so that was like the first thing and then i went to college and i studied art history for a while and i thought Because it was never in my lexicon because no one in my family talked about traveling outside of the country to go to Europe or any of that, that I never thought I would ever see any of those spaces. And I was 30, 33, 34 before I actually went to Europe and went to france and Mm -hmm. i was blown away by just seeing all of those things as i was watching you posting about when you first went on your first trip and how scary it can be because you you Mm -hmm. don't have any frame of reference yeah, you have no
1: idea. I thought jet lag was flying from Seattle <laughs> to Boston. And I was like, I'm good. I've got this figured out. I I will have no issues with it. And then I went to Bali and I thought, uh oh. <laughs> this this is what they mean. <laughs> Absolutely no frame of reference whatsoever.
0: And and so I I look at that and think that you know there's a certain amount of fear because you don't have any concept of what it is because, you like you said, it's never been modeled. Nobody's really talked about it. Nobody that you know has really done it. Or you've heard about it and you're like, oh, that sounds really cool. But you have no frame of reference for that. Correct. So it, it's so interesting that to do that. And the first time that I traveled by myself to – I went to Italy for a yoga retreat with my friend Sadie. <laughs> And I was coming from Seattle. Everybody else was like her students from New York City. So yeah. I was coming the farthest. I came all by myself. I got to France, got into my hotel room and sat down on the bed and proceeded to have a panic attack because oh, here I was, no. I was 48 years old. Yeah, I had gone through a divorce. I had to give up my house, I, you know, lots of changes. And I'm yeah. sitting on that bed in that hotel room going, I'm in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. I don't speak the language i have no idea where the fuck i'm at oh my (laughs) god
1: what have i done yeah
0: and i'd been up for 24 hours because of you know flights and getting there and a delay with the plane leaving and because my ex husband had always planned all of our travel we did done everything together and it was like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I must be
1: great. Oh, yeah. And then you added the delirium from the and you're just just gone. It's just lost now.
0: (laughs) So I completely understand your whole thing about jet lag and understanding all that. Cause I'd been to Boston too. I thought, oh, this is no big deal. That's only three hours. Yeah, my family's
1: (laughs) East Coast. That was our trip every year when I was young. We would fly to and from. And I thought this is no big deal. I'm just kind of tired. Like I take a nap. I'm good. (laughs) I know. Oh, it's crazy. So yeah, I had absolutely no idea.
0: And now look at you, you're leading, you're going to be leading yoga retreats in you're going to, in a few days, you're going to South Africa.
1: Yeah. I leave a week. Oh goodness. A week from today. <laughs> yeah. I head to South Africa. So basically everywhere I'm headed this year is other than Bali. I've never been before. So I'm, I'm in this place of saying yes to a lot of, a lot of new, and this will be my first time hosting a retreat as well. I, so
0: I, that's what I was going to ask. That was going to be my next question. So yeah. have you been teaching regular yoga classes in Seattle or have you just been kind so of,
1: I, I lived up North when I was right married with my kiddos, we had a house up north in Snohomish, which is, so you think like farmland, and then you keep going.
0: <laughs> and then I know where Snohomish is. You, you sometimes,
1: but it, even in Snohomish, it's like you need a passport and then you keep going and you feel like you've entered. It's 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 far out there. Like where I grew up, we were in Snohomish when I was young as well. And where we grew up, people would drive and then they keep driving and they're thinking, where am I? Because you just it just goes just on forever. Going. Yeah. yeah, you're
0: gonna be in Canada.
1: Soon, you will head to Canada. That's how far <laughs> it feels. You get off the freeway and you drive for a year and then you'll be there. But yeah, so the house that we had before, yeah, it was out in the country. It was it was almost an acre of land. It was a very, very large home, lots of heat, lots to clean, lots to cool and yeah. lots of space. And so when I moved to Seattle, so I was teaching up there. Right, um, at a studio up there of like the one of two studios because we were you know smaller, <laughs> smaller area. When I came to Seattle because I was traveling so much, and when I moved here, my even though my divorce had been done for a long time, just the process of that shift for the kids. I'd been a homeschooling mom for a long time as well, and so right. the kids went back into mainstream school coming into the city, and so I didn't want to take on teaching anything. In yeah, in the yeah, city. You um, were in
0: transition.
1: I was in a lot of transition. Yeah. And I do get asked a lot and I feel very eager to start teaching at some studios here, but right now <laughs> it's retreat. And, kids and maybe and- that's a
0: better space to be. When I was interviewing uh, Steph Gangora, yeah,
1: Steph. she oh, was telling
0: that. me about the fact that w- even I was talking with her about her transition to create the Flow Retreat Center in mm-hmm. Costa Rica and asked, seemed so intentional. And she was like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she said when they originally started, when she and, and her husband Ben originally started, they knew they wanted to host a retreat center, but she wasn't even a yoga instructor at that point particular point in time, right? Oh, a long time, yeah. So, I mean, it took 10 years. They, They were in this process of making this happen for 10 years. So she said that when she did her teacher training, that her teacher did retreats and did workshops and did trainings but didn't teach a weekly class schedule. And she said, yeah. nah, I wasn't really interested in teaching every week. I really wanted to get into a space where I could offer workshops and do things for a segment of time. So like two hours or do you know a couple of workshops or something like that. And she said, that's really what I wanted to do was to do that and then do retreats and those sorts of things. I think that, and, and to me it was like, wow, that that's really interesting because all I've ever done is teach weekly classes, right? And so right. when her when she was talking about that, and my friend Sadie kind of did the same thing. I mean, she taught some weekly classes, and then she went to traveling the world, teaching everywhere, doing yeah. retreats and, and doing workshops and that sort of thing. And so I kind of knew about it, but I thought, oh, you know, I, I can't ever do anything like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm. See, and I love that idea, though. I love that space. Because for me, even when I teach a class, some of my favorite stuff is when maybe I incorporate a little bit of playtime to come around yes. and say, let's work on this. And then I feel like I'm. it feels more workshoppy to me. I feel yes. like after classes, when students come up to me and say, hey, and I can sit and chat. So I really feel excited about these retreats. Because to me, that's I love diving deep and getting to know people and When I was still living up in Snohomish, I would come down to Seattle a lot to come to workshops of people coming in and out of Seattle because I love sharing that space as yep. well, especially because there weren't as many opportunities up north. So
0: yeah, well, and you know, me living on Bainbridge Island, there's not always a lot huh, here yeah. either. So you know, yeah. I travel across the big water to go into yeah. Seattle to do that, the workshops and and things like that too. So mm-hmm. and that was how I first met Steph and and Aaron was doing a workshop at Elvis Garcia's. That's uh, I, that's how I met them. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just thought it was interesting. So in in looking with what you're doing, it may be that that's what you excel at is just teaching. Your workshops where you travel and your retreats where you travel, and yeah. that gives you plenty of time to have with your kids, and and I know, you know it does afford me life. still being
1: able to stay home with them. It's great. It's it's the timing. They couldn't have fallen into my lap at a better time. So it's <laughs> I'm very thankful for it.
0: And I just think that as you continue to make those transitions in your life, and I always see trans. It's it's never ending, right? Uh, sure. That thing of where you hit where people say, "Oh, you." Some people think that balance is like this static space to reside in and it's not your it's forever if you think about doing a tree pose and standing on one leg all of the work that your foot and your ankle And your standing leg has to do in order to create that balance. That's the same way in life. You're you're Mm. forever sort of, you know, trying to move. Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. So I I I look at that and I just thought when you when you started coming up with these retreats and I was just and remembering what Steph had said, I was like, this is this could be the perfect option to be able to give yourself the freedom and flexibility to still live your life with quality time with your children and do all the things you need to do and still be able to do your yoga.
1: I know it, and, and the and for me, I didn't realize how important travel was for me until I did it. Having been somebody who only went to and from the East Coast to visit family, my folks are from New Hampshire and Vermont, and I have a ton of family in Massachusetts. So that was our trip because being one of five right. kids and have a ton of extra money to do things. So to visit family was what we did. It was for my thirty fifth birthday, uh, so I was still thirty four, and it was a month before I decided to just go for it, and I bought a ticket to Bali. And I booked Airbnbs, and I got on the longest flight of my life and (laughs) the biggest plane I'd ever been on. And, you know, and it scared me. Like, I remember just feeling really, really anxious the whole time. And, but it taught me a lot. It taught me that it's so, you know, like to follow the voice because something was screaming at me. I mean, it wasn't just like this little like. Hey, Chelsea maybe you should try <laughs> something. I mean, it was visceral. It was definitely you need to do this for yourself. And for whatever reason, I considered lots of different places. But ultimately, I chose Bali probably a little bit because of Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> probably because I'm um, yeah. so saturated with the world of yogis because yeah. flight from Seattle was actually pretty inexpensive to get there. And then it's inexpensive to stay once you're there. But man, I I have never in my life felt more more of a shift in saying yes to something than I did.
0: How long of a flight is that?
1: Um, I think it's about twenty hours of full time travel from seattle to taipei i think it's like a 12 and a half hour flight and then there's usually like a i've done this flight a couple times and i'm doing it again because i go to bali in april and then taipei to bali is maybe another eight-ish or so i mean that's
0: that you think about it you you don't really think about it until like you look at a map i know and and you you think about what it looks like on a map or on a globe and how small it is but it's actually i mean that's that's like a lot of distance to travel. Oh, it's so well,
1: and it's ridiculous <laughs> having not been somebody who traveled. I was like Taipei. Where is Taipei? <laughs> I'm having to look at where I'm flying through because I just, I don't know, I slept through classes in high school sometimes, and you know, I just, and, or I just, I assumed I was never going to go these places, so I don't right. need to learn at yeah. all. Right? So, yeah, big big changes came from saying yes to that trip.
0: So. And you've been there twice now, right? Tomorrow. yeah,
1: I have yeah, the first time I went, I was there for a full two week, and then uh the end of October, I was able to go again just for three days, just a quick three day on the way home from a workshop I was doing. <laughs> I got to bounce over from type era from. Thailand over to Bali on the left. That's right, because you went to the
0: handscan workshop in Thailand. I did. Yeah, Yeah. that was another
1: very scary moment of saying yes, and it was so transformative. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, yeah, I definitely feel like 35 was a year of yes. I just kept the opportunities would come and I would lean in, and it would scare me, but I thought, I've done some pretty amazing things while being scared and I can be brave and do it anyway. And, and man, I have not regretted one. I feel like my life has gotten so much richer because of it. I feel like, but all of the areas, not just specifically yoga or that pathway, but being a mom has gotten richer. My relationship with with family members has gotten richer because I've been more grounded in my own footing um, as I've stepped more into myself because going through my divorce, obviously your partner, you, everything gets shaken up with that, especially when you share right. children. But man, the relationship I had with family members, I didn't realize how devastating um, and how much of a change that would affect everything everything from from my relationship with my folks to my siblings and for the better we are yeah we came out on the other side and I feel like everything is more honest and and um a lot more truth and it's healthier like it's amazing sometimes that you have to go (laughs) very very much face down in the mud before you can rise back up and realize ah the shift was, was a hard one, but it was needed. And, and you got to listen to that voice.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, you look at things like that and when tough things come up in your life and sometimes it it puts you into that anxiety panic Mm. mode. Yeah. And then when you come out the other side and it can take a while, it takes whatever time it takes, but then you look backwards and then maybe something else comes up and you start to feel those feelings of panic bubble up again. And, then sometimes when you get it under control and you say to yourself, you know, I made it this far and I'm still here. Yes. I'll, I'll figure it out. Right. I'll, I'll figure out how to make it work. I'll, whatever it is and trying to look at it more of, you know, what do I need to learn here Mm -hmm. versus, you know, staying in that wallowing space where absolutely I've been, I you know I've been in that wallowing space sometimes for way too long and and, yeah. and you come out of it and you go, you know, I could have done myself a favor and not spent so much time there.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. And it's you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but sometimes it you is. need that space. You for do for sure. Yeah. I mean I I can't say I regret a single decision I've really ever made because it it really has brought me to here. I think it's about finding a way to feel whole with the decisions that we make in our life for sure. Um, Because obviously everybody goes through things that sometimes feel like, Oh, I could have done better there. Or if I had to do it over again, situations like that. But really, man, I'm, I'm thankful for the life that I've walked through because I love the person that I've grown into. And, and I still have moments. I still have those things where you get sucked back in or the feelings take over and you don't know how to To move through them. And for me, I was never an anxious person until. I started going through the whole divorce process, and then I realized what anxiety was, what the elephant on my chest felt like, and and I guess how to work through that. Having had my first panic attack in my entire life, I was actually in the middle oh. of teaching a class when I had it. It was the very tail end of teaching a class, and yeah. and it started to bubble up. And I thought, what is going on? What so, the hell is happening? Yeah. Oh, that was a scary, scary one. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade a single, a single moment of it because you need, you need the rumble.
0: Well, and I think that's where you get to the point where you actually finally realize what awareness is Mm -hmm. and what intention is. And to be able to learn that you may feel that anxiety or that panic or that fear, and that you can then take a step back and then say, okay, what do I need to, what do I need to do to to get from where I'm at to where I want to be yeah. with as much, not control, because I had to learn you can't drive everything, but yeah. with as much intention and awareness as possible. And the reality is, is that every single one of us makes mistakes. We're Mm going to make mistakes uh, throughout our entire life. And my only caveat or only thought about all of that is that they're only a space of problem when you don't learn from them and you keep making the same ones. But also when I look at that, I mean, I've had to step in the same bucket over and over and over sometimes to learn something. And I think sometimes that we receive whatever it is that we receive when we're ready to receive it and maybe you know it took that amount of time to make that mistake over a couple of times so that yeah. I could actually receive the information yeah absolutely and I- so i i try to you know look at that now with thinking about kids and decision making and how to make it so that it's less fearful for myself or people that i'm around to be able to Take a risk, to make a change, to trust their intuition, whatever it is, and to do it without feeling paralyzed by fear. I mean, did you ever come to a point when you were kind of in the midst of all of this where you were just, you felt paralyzed and I just got to stop for a minute? Oh, or did you... goodness.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the thing is for me too, is that I'm also somebody that struggles very much with um, guilt. And yeah. so for me, guilt and making shame, guilt and, oh, huge. And Brene Brown kind of saved me on a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, her books came to me right at the, right at the moments that I needed the most. Yeah. Going through the process of not just ending my marriage but sh- you know the the relationships changing in with my parents and siblings and friendship i mean a lot of stuff gets shaken up during that time so yeah. i had to just keep focusing on myself but realizing that i would feel guilty that making a decision yeah that maybe somebody else didn't think was right for me. I was often told you don't need somebody to co-sign on your life for you.
0: Ah, I love that. Yeah.
1: But I was a 19 year old girl moving from my parents' house to my then husband's house. So I had never stood on my own two feet alone. I lived very briefly with a girlfriend when I was in college uh, for a handful of months. Other than that, I I was always I was always under somebody's wing and even even for me to step forward into Bali or any of these trips I have three kids I, how often do I hear well what about your kids or the mom guilt i get those sorts of questions all the time yeah. how in the world do i leave i have friends that feel guilty for going to the grocery store by themselves when they leave their kids at home and then the shame that they feel whether it's from a spouse or other parents or the world of pinterest <laughs> that that makes it so hard to. or instagram and, or facebook or instagram, all or, you of know, it there's
0: that mom shaming that happens, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I went through that. I, I like you. I went from living with my parents to being to living with my boyfriend, who was then my fiance, who ended up being my husband. Yeah, I was married at twenty one, mm-hmm. pregnant at twenty four, going through a divorce at twenty four and six months pregnant. Oh, God. and yeah. so you know, I as you're telling your story, it's like I, I understand completely what, what you were going through and then the guilt and the shame. And, and I leaned heavily on my parents. I mean, Mm -hmm. we lived with my folks for a long time because I I had nothing, no car, no money, nothing, no job, nothing. So I, you know, I lived with my folks for quite a while and went back to college and, and my parents were always there to help with my daughter and help if I needed it. And, you know, there was, there's been a lot of judgment, in that from a lot of different people and a lot of scrutiny in Mm -hmm. my life and that's really hard and then that self-persecution that you do to yourself oh my god and you think that you're the only one right for sure absolutely yep and then and then you get people and when you move now i mean i had the benefit of going through all of that without social media (laughs) Uh yes (laughs) and without cell phones where people were taking pictures and and doing all of that and now we're in a space where, you know, you are a, a public figure, basically, when you are posting up on Instagram or Facebook. And then you get these people who don't know you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: don't know your, your real story, don't know your life, and they're making commentary and yep. sending you messages or leaving comments. And I'm like, I have a really hard time with people who do that. Yeah. It's, I, I liken it to like a drive-by shooting, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe maybe the shooting is like grazing my arm. I haven't really been taken out yet, <laughs> but yeah, no the the comments. I, I have to say though, through the whole process, because I didn't have to. I didn't have to really share anything. There are many people whose stories right. move on, but for me, I think I am somebody that the more truth that I shared in my own personal life, the more I felt like I became myself. I remember sitting right. on my therapist's couch and feeling like I see. I see her, meaning me, I see her off in the distance. I feel like she's off on an Island or something and I don't know how to get to her. And there's something inside of me that is crying out for it. And I remember, um, I read, uh, Glennon Doyle's book, love warrior when I was going through a lot of things too. And she had some very profound things to say, but one of the quotes that she had was if it's a difference between saving your soul and saving your marriage, And I realized that, I mean, that just flagged me completely because, well, well, I've had actually if there's such a thing as a very happy divorce, you know, we we co-parent our children beautifully and we are still friendly and get along and we look out for each other's best interests because at the end of the day, it's it's all that we have and we get to write this story and we have to model this for our children and right. divorce happens and it's very very common, but it doesn't always have to be ugly. something that yeah, it doesn't have to be ugly, it doesn't have to stunt you in any way. And if anything, I feel like I've been able to walk away from it learning more about myself because it's more about my part and my role in that. And that I just don't have the space in my life. I don't wanna I don't want to give any energy, time or or space to the negative side of things because life is way too short and there are too many good things to go forward with. For me, I just felt like if it's that saving your soul piece, that's what you've got to that's what you've got to chase. And I remember the first time I sat on my therapist couch feeling like I got to her felt like I resurfaced. I took that breath and I, and I was able to find my way back to her. And I didn't even know that she was missing until.
0: See, that's the thing is you come out of that and you were, and all of a sudden you realize that you came to a space that you didn't even know you needed to get to. Yeah,
1: I didn't. I just, and I think, and maybe that is kind of what we talked about is the conditioning of, of your upbringing or the story we tell ourselves or, or our own self talk. Um, Oh, just thinking that it's just good enough. Or you just, you just don't even know. You just, you just sit there and you think, well, what, what does drive my creativity? Well, what do I want to be creative about? Or maybe your ideas are too lofty or too big. And so you just, you just coast, you just spend your life coasting. And I coasted for it.
0: long time you make yourself small because you feel if i just stay small and i stay moving in these spaces where i know what to expect i know what's expected of me i know what i need to do that everything's going to be okay i'm gonna it'll it'll be all right i'll be able to hold it all together and it'll be okay and that whole space of living small Mm -hmm. and you mentioned creativity and all of that i mean none of that came out for me until after i went through my first divorce and right. went to college as a non-traditional student
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> at 25 years old yep and realized just the capacity to be able to to do all of those things that i that i never really thought about doing or completing or yeah. you know then then there's a whole period in time where I sort of lost it all again in the crush of everything and then I I'm always so impressed when people find those passions those drivers for their creativity at a younger age because I felt like I flailed around for way too long to get yeah. to that point and so it's it's always it's always interesting to me and I know everybody has to walk their own path and nobody's mm-hmm got a same time frame or anything like that but it was watching you sort of make those transitions and moving through all of that where there was like you know that i understand going through some of those spaces and i just liked how honest you were about what was going on
1: yeah well i think for me a lot of that inspiration came from people probably in social media or the authors that i'd read that were so brave to do yeah. the same, and so that gave me the courage to want to share my story, because I people could tell when I I, I used to hide behind quotes a lot, and I still find great inspiration and use them on occasion in my oh, sure. in my posts. But I did I, I hid behind them because I felt like I'm too afraid to share my own voice, because yeah. or I didn't know how to have a voice. I still struggle with trying to figure out exactly how I want to share everything and how do I want to unpackage pieces? But yeah, I mean, there's that piece that there's the piece about feeling small. There's also a weird safety in it sometimes where you don't, you don't have to, spread your wings a bit. You don't have to, yeah, you don't, you don't have to act. You can just go through the motions and kind of run your life on autopilot. And
0: well, because you know, what's expected, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, when people say, well, I don't understand why this woman stayed with this man when he abused her or, you know, whatever it was. And it's like, you get to this point where, you know, what your boundaries are in wherever it is that you are. And the thought of moving outside of those boundaries and not knowing what to expect can be very frightening. Oh, yeah. Or, or for to sure. admit that you've made a mistake or made a bad choice or you're in a situation where you don't feel good and certain people have expected. It's interesting that I think that women have all of those conversations more often and self-persecute themselves more often mm-hmm. than, than anybody else. I, sure. And I just feel like we've come so far, yet we still have so much farther to go with For that. Sure. And being supportive of women, whether they're a mother, uh, whether they are, you know, whatever it is that they're doing is being able to support each other Instead yeah. of compete with each other, right? Yeah. And yeah. and it may be that somebody's living a life that you have no desire to live, but you can still be supportive of, w- of whatever it is that they're doing, and not be jealous, right? Not to have mm-hmm. that. Oh, I wish I was. And there are times when I look at some of the stuff online and go, "Damn, I want to do that." Oh, we. And all then done. I, you know, and then <laughs> yeah, I, get, sure. and then I, I'm sitting and I'm telling myself, "Well, you can do whatever you want. You just need to figure out that you really want to do it, That's and right. then you'll then you'll be able to do it." Oh,
1: yeah, I'm the queen of trying new things all the time. And I actually had a girlfriend a very long time ago tell me, I don't remember verbatim, but it was something along the lines of you try lots of new things, but you quit so much. And it stung so badly. And I felt like it took me a really long time to unpackage all the feelings that went along with it, because I thought I took away as it meaning, well, I'm just a quitter. (laughs) Like, I try so many things and I give up before... I get good at any of them. And then I realized, but at least I Maybe they never spoke
0: to well, maybe they never really spoke to you. And how do you know if you don't try them?
1: Exactly. And so I eventually found my way into feeling so proud of those decisions. And I parent from that place as well. Because I still think my daughter is one of the bravest people I will ever meet in my entire life because she was gifted this beautiful singing voice and she puts herself out there all of the time in a way that would have scared me so much to stand up on a stage at a you know a school talent show or a theater in a production and sing her heart out. And she's been doing it since she's a little wee one standing on the little that we have a zoo in Seattle that has what looks like a little pride rock that kids can climb yeah. out onto mm-hmm. she'd be two years old. And she'd walk out to the edge of it. And she'd just start singing and I thought, oh what a funny little quirky daughter I have. And then really she's just got this big proud brave voice and she's not afraid to be exactly who she is and
0: and it's and, her passion
1: and it's her passion and she is somebody that founded the young age and it's pretty stinking inspiring <laughs> I was the one that would just flail as a kid and try a million different things and it took me 31 years to think "Ooh, this yoga thing or something ignited. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's something there. I didn't know. I have a little soul in here that actually speaks up when I do something that, that works for me. So,
0: Well, yeah. let me ask you this question. What is it that you wish that you knew more about?
1: Oh, that is a very good question. Um, I wish I knew more about, I don't know. I think, I think it would be more just more about my own self, my own ability to understand maybe the deeper thoughts and feelings that I have, allowing myself to, to give myself more time to, to spend in that space. I think as a mom and that I spend so much time doing for everybody else that I don't always know how to
0: do for yourself.
1: Yeah. To do for myself which then in turn makes me able to do so much for so many other people. But that to me is always something that...
0: How to fill your cup up so that you can stay full.
1: Yeah, because it's very easy for me to say yes. I mean, obviously, 35 was the year of saying yes to a million things. But I also learned through saying yes, I have to learn to say no as no. well. Yeah. And and in doing so, I think... I, I Yeah, I think that would probably be my answer only because I it it comes back to that, you know, maybe it's the feeling selfish or feeling guilty for taking time to do those things, but figuring out how to do it in a way that can maximize maximize the output, I suppose. I find it through song, I find it through mm -hmm. music, I find it through reading sunsets for me will forever be something that I chase and and can find that space. But I'm still trying to find a way to unpackage it and and learn about it. Well, and I feel like I wear that for you, too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Man, if I yeah. could. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of travel coming up this year, but I have never felt more stillness in my life than the ability to see other parts of the world and experience other parts of cultures and
0: Well, and when you travel like that, it takes you out of your day-to-day existence. Yeah. Out of all of those comfortable places that you move in, and it allows your creativity and your curiosity and your sense of awe to run free right mm-hmm. because you can be whoever you want to be when you're in a space that you are so far away from home yeah and i just those are the kinds of things that i think that fills up my cup more than anything else is to be able to go somewhere else to learn about somebody else's culture their yeah. lives yeah. how people live there i mean when especially when you go to these places that are old i mean you seattle know, we i don't have anything
1: it's really old, yeah. Right, it's partially started... buried. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you know, to go to these places where they are hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years old to see these things, it it always makes me just it takes my breath away to to go to that space and and to be able to want to learn about that. But I think that what you're talking about is something that's sort of indicative for most women is how do I treat myself with love? How do I love myself first? How do I take care of the things that I need? And self-care can be whatever it is as non-traditional or as traditional as you need it to be, because it has to do with what you need in that particular moment. Right. So I look at stuff like that. And I think, you know, we need to get over that hump of I need to take care of everybody else. And then I can take care of myself exactly. and actually start with I need to take care of myself and then I can take care of everyone else.
1: Right? Yeah. Because yeah, mine's been reversed for a very, very long time, especially being a mom so early on and my yeah. kids came quickly. And so yeah, I it's think been that's your why entire yoga... world for a long Been time. my entire world. Yeah. I think that's part of why yoga was such a profound shift because I had worked out at the gym and I, you know, right. done weight training and all of those things, but it was never the same as what it was like to get on my mat and realize that through every, I think for me in the beginning too, it was all those balancing postures, so much focus, because I wasn't strong back then. So I, I definitely went more toward the balancing side and some flexibility pieces. Um, but just to be able to stand on one foot, yeah, that felt like all of my attention had to go there. And by the end of the class, I'm laying in Shavasana and I'm realizing, that's all I thought about. The entire time was being present on where those corners of my foot were, you know, pressing down into my mat. And I wasn't thinking about the grocery list. And I wasn't thinking when I get out of here, I need to hurry up and go home for this or that. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what was what was next for. It was quiet. Yeah, I'd never I'd never experienced it It almost feels makes me feel a little sad to think, oh, I spent so much of my life missing uh, it I know and I, I remember therapy was huge when I went through all of this stuff therapy was huge I didn't realize oh there, there are bigger voices out there beyond my own thing like, <laughs> in my head and, and I just or, or you just kind of loop when you talk to everybody that you always yes. just talk to it's so easy yeah. to just loop and cycle with them and and I also learned through this process how important it is to surround yourself with people that that build you up and not not in an ego way at all, but people that challenge you are and,
0: supportive and, yeah. and say, "Step outside. It's okay to step yeah. outside your comfort zone. For I'll sure. still be here." Yeah. So let, let me ask you this: What do you think more women need to know in their lives?
1: That is, that is okay to be brave and afraid. Mm, to that. yeah, that you've that you can say yes to things and and know that it was funny because yesterday I kind of spoke about it in a post. Will Smith, it's so funny, but Will Smith talked about that the universe is like water and it will get out of your way if you just put something into motion and it moves around you and wields around. So for me, I think about that first trip that I booked to Bali and I thought, oh, there's so many reasons to say no. I mean, it's why I booked the ticket a month before I was to leave because right. I shouldn't leave my kids and I shouldn't, I shouldn't put anybody out to watch them. And, and I should, it was the millions I should. not You were
0: shooting all over yourself. <laughs>
1: I was shooting everywhere. <laughs> and, um, And, and once I put it into action, and I've said this to people before that ask me, because I do get a lot of questions about, well, what about kids? And how do you find the help? And, and I just, I feel there's always a reason to say no, but I find that if it feels like an easy, yes, if you feel like logistically, yeah, I could do it. And you say, yes, it feels like a sweet little exhale of, okay, everything's going to fall into place. And to me, that has always felt like that's when I know I'm on the right path like even right now i just felt like as i was saying and i felt like my heart softened a little bit is that's the feeling i get when i do something for myself and i shake it up and i and i'm brave and i say yes the fear can still be there right. that realizing that we are way stronger than we give ourselves credit for
0: and that it's okay to ask for help and yeah that's a big that's one. the hardest thing for me boy that's the hard
1: one for me as well yeah it is oh, hard that'd... to ask for help because it's the shoulds. It's that, well, I should be the one taking care of the kids yeah. or I should be the one that's organizing the schedule and I should be the the one that's caring for the house or because that was my role for so long, but that doesn't mean it needs to be my only role.
0: What is the strangest or most unusual question that somebody's ever asked you?
1: Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're in a yoga community, community yeah. of barefoot people. So it's uh, most of the time the weird stuff comes from, the people with foot fetishes that want to buy your shoes or (laughs) have pictures sent. And those ones came very early on. Um, And I remember feeling like, well, this is super weird. And then if you talk to any yogi, you'll be like, do do you have the people with the feet thing? And they're like, oh my gosh, yes.
0: I haven't had very many of those. But the first time that happened to me, I was like, what in the
1: world is this? Are you kidding And honestly it's actually less now than it ever was. I don't get a lot of very inappropriate texts anymore or DMs from people which I'm very very thankful for because you know as your as your following starts to grow then it does become a place of now you no longer have people that, you know, very well commenting on your stuff. It does become a lot of other people. But really, I feel like my my page is mostly a positive place to come, which makes me feel good. I don't I don't often feel like I post something and feel like, oh, that hurt my feelings anymore. But I've also shifted my perspective on on a lot of those things.
0: Yeah, but,
1: but yeah, I would say I would say the weirdest is probably yeah, being barefoot on Instagram. It it, it attracts, <laughs> it attracts <amazing> people,
0: <laughs>
1: which is crazy because actually for me, feet is one of my least favorite things ever. So it's you know, show. I
0: have a lot of people who have issues with feet, and I had a really good friend that lived not too far away from me, and she was like sherry i would really love to because we were talking about yoga and at that point in time i was teaching a lot of yoga like 10 classes a week Mm -hmm. and she said i would really love to come to one of your yoga classes but i just can't stand feet
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it might not be for her then and i was
0: like okay yeah and then i thought back to i went to a workshop that many years ago in seattle shiva ray came and it was like a Mm. like some kind of a yoga festival or something and so i went to take um one of her day-long workshops and it was i mean filled to capacity with people and i always looked your mat is like your space to move in Right. Mm -hmm. And that that is where I mean, your skin touches, sometimes your face touches your own feet touch. Right. Your any skin that you have exposed touches your mat. And so I never really thought about the fact that I didn't like it when someone walked on my mat. (laughs) Yeah. Because you never know, you know, what somebody else has on the soles of their feet when they're walking through your class Mm -hmm. and people walked all over everybody's mat in this class, in this workshop thing. And I was like, oh, I'm having a really hard time. With yeah. <laughs> then you
1: get to turn inward and think, what is it about <laughs> about that? That's making me squirm. I'm because- a
0: germaphobe. I don't know. <laughs> but-
1: <laughs> there it is. The quick answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I always like you, you were talking about when you started taking yoga and you were balancing and, and, you know, feeling the edge of your foot. And and I always thought of my mat when I, because I did yoga a lot of my own in the beginning, um, 27, 26 years ago when I started. Mm -hmm. And to go and take a class, I always saw my mat as like, my sacred space that mm-hmm. that's where i went to have a conversation with myself where mm. things were quiet i left where i came from and tried not to think about where i was going to later and to yeah. be present in that moment and have that conversation with myself so to have someone disrupt that zone just felt very um intrusive and it yeah. was like the place where i went in my day for quiet mm-hmm. or intention yeah and as i went through my teacher training and had to start thinking about you know my thought processes and Things that maybe I was holding on to that I didn't need to hold on to anymore. And that was one of the things that floated up for me. It's like, you know, whether you're on your mat or you're on the bare floor or there's somebody right next to you or whatever it is, is that you carry that inside of you. It really doesn't have anything to do with your mat on the floor. Oh, absolutely. And that was such a light bulb moment for me. It's like, everybody needs to know this, that, you know, you can... You can create that space when you're standing in line at the grocery store, if that's what you want to do, right? (laughs) And
1: for ever, forever and ever, somebody's always going to be—you know—he's the metaphor. Everyone's going to be stepping on your mat, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) always finding a way to get back to that place that you you don't—you you don't always need the four corners to create that. You can create it, like
0: you said, in a grocery store. So So what does balance look like in your life at this particular point in time?
1: Oh, well, (laughs) as I prepare for retreats, what I'm finding is that in order to create any balance, (laughs) it has to come with a lot of to-do lists because I cannot, uh, when, when everything gets too jumbled for me, I'm a pen to paper girl. I've got to put it down Because if I can't get through the stuff I have to get through so that I can go enjoy the sunset, then I feel like my my mind space is, is such a trickier place to be in. So as long as I can feel really organized, then I can create the balance of, okay, I got what I needed to get done, done. Now Mm -hmm. I can go do for me a big piece of doing for me is definitely I have to move every single day. It's it's yoga is definitely a big piece of it. But now that uh, I have a handstand practice as well, having come out of my uh, workshop in Thailand, it came out, it came out with a very different focus on, on how to get on my hands. Whereas before it was just about being stronger Um, because it, for me, it, any form of hand balance that I did had so much to do with more of the mental um, strength that I needed.
0: Okay. Um,
1: when I, cause I handstanding to me was never something that I wanted to do. I would see it on Instagram and I think that's amazing. People are so strong. Um, right. It would be great to do it, but I don't, I, I don't feel strong enough to do it. And it's very, very hard. But then when I, when I went through my divorce and I, I talked about this in a YouTube video a while back, but man, when I felt like I had nothing mentally to give to anybody emotionally, mentally, <laughs> spiritually, I just felt just completely defeated and depleted of everything that I had, I could get on my mat and I could practice. And I realized through that process, it did allow me to feel a heck of a lot stronger. So that's where my handstand practice started because I would require my, really, I put a lot of pressure on it. I would require like one more breath, just stay, fight, push. And that's
0: how I was able to climb up out of the trenches. And so and is that what prompted you to do the rising up stronger? It was actually because-
1: Because yeah, I just started getting stronger. And through that, yeah. I started finding my voice and mm-hmm. I started sharing my voice. And people started saying, what in the world is happening? Like, what are you doing? How Partly it's the, you know, you can see the change physically of, oh, you went right. from not having a practice to having this handstand practice and you're getting so much stronger and I can see that. But at the same time, I was also gaining my voice and feeling brave and sharing sharing my, my story. So yeah, I decided to put it all in a book because... I think it was also just very therapeutic for me to just write it all out. And and then I did do a video because I just thought I need to explain this bigger. <laughs> well, and it's, that's it's new. Bigger. You just did
0: the video, right?
1: The YouTube video that I did was right oh, okay. before I released the ebook last year. Yeah. Right. So
0: But you've also done a video of the Rising Up Stronger book, correct? Yeah, Recently? so that yeah. yeah, I
1: just filmed my entire Rising Up Stronger ebook. So that now you'll have a platform to practice with me online, which I've never done before. That's another saying yes moment for me. I've never put anything out <laughs> other than Instagram. So that's another big one and it's and it's exciting, but it'll be my voice. So, you know, normally you hide behind yeah. Instagram and you've got a pretty yeah. a pretty song and or you talk in your stories and I'm just, you know, being a nut in those. But yeah, to be able to actually teach on an online platform is really, really, really exciting. So well,
0: and I've had a lot of people that I've asked to be a guest. And I've had the only two people that have said no to me have been, I don't think I'm ready to be able to do that. Where I see them on Instagram, they're talking in their stories, they're talking in their posts, and it would just be a conversation, just like you and I are having right now. But yep. it was just too far outside of their comfort zone for them to be able to do it. And it's like, then I just leave it at, at saying, you know what? I understand. And you have an open invitation. If you. Yeah, I- come to the point where you would like to be a guest and and have a conversation I'm here to support you in doing that please feel that you can always change your mind and I'm I'm happy to make the transition as supportive as I possibly can. When you do that, it's interesting to me because I see these people on Instagram and I'm inspired by them. And I want to share that with other women. And then to hear I'm, I'm not ready to do that. And it's like, I had to really stop and think about that. And how do I bring forth as much compassion and empathy for someone who may really want to do it, but they just can't, that's too far outside of their comfort zone of where they are right now, but yeah. to be able to make it so that the door is still open for them. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna ask you this then. What conditions provide the best way for you to find empathy for another person?
1: Oh well, that's that is something that I, I I've learned through this whole process that I think the term that people are saying is that I'm an empath. empath. Is that what they say? Yeah. So So you I, get
0: bombarded with a lot of that.
1: Ooh, yes, I do. <laughs> and so and I've also always had this since I was a young girl all the way through is people tell me their stories all the time. I can be at the veterinary's office or the vet's office and this, like they, I will get this whole life story and I will sit there and I will think, well, I can't leave. Like we have to stay and and talk this out. Um, and I, yeah. And I wear it. So it's for you to say like, how do I even create a girl? It's just there all the it time. It just happens all the time. It okay. So then, the time. then let's, yeah.
0: let's, let's, uh, let's ask the reverse question uh, is how, do you, how do you protect yourself from being inundated by that?
1: You know, I, I think through the process, I have learned the ability to say no is big for me. Just, just something as simple as, um, I guess not. No, to say like no, I don't want to listen to your story. But understanding that I can't, I can't always give in the same way. That it, it can't always be that. Let's 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 come and sit together and hash it out for a thousand hours, which is what I would always like to do. Because I do find that as much as I, I have a voice and I like to talk. That I'm a good listener and that I could just sit and let it happen. But through it, I think what helps create that boundary is that while listening to people, it's making sure that I'm still using my own voice because I think I'm sometimes such a sounding board that it comes across as though I just blindly approve of everything that's being said, which is something that I struggle with because I, I love, I love when other people counter against me and say, well, why? Like it's right. that pushback of, well, right. why do you feel the way that you feel or, or tell right. me more or explain that situation where in the past I would just listen and I'd just be like, that's, that's great. I'm not going to hold you accountable. You just do what you need to do. And the richer conversations for me or Are definitely digging deeper. And so through that process, it allows me to feel it like it almost does create a boundary because it allows me to be present versus just be a sounding board. So it keeps me more plugged in.
0: Well, and I think that, you know, I I had remember going through my teacher training 18 years ago and learning about that protective bubble. As Mm -hmm. an instructor. Right. So that one so that you can read a body and be able to know whether someone was available to an adjustment or a comment or Mm -hmm. potentially a touch. And at the same time, if you're going to do all of that, that you also need to be able to protect yourself from someone else's energy hmm and so it's interesting that you you mentioned about that it's like you know I just kind of want to dig in and I'm a good listener so people talk to me and you're a kind person and my interview last week with Chrissy Carter another person who is incredibly thoughtful she's thought-provoking and very kind she leads with kindness and she said and there's a difference between being kind and being a pushover
1: <laughs> yes
0: i was actually said that
1: i was told that exact same thing i yeah i feel that a lot
0: and how do you still maintain that kindness without letting somebody just steamroll right over your boundaries Mm -hmm. and so that's you know and and that's a i think that's a never-ending sort of conversation that you have to have with yourself is how do i really feel about this am i okay with this do i need to some find some kind way to say this needs to stop or i need to go or whatever it is yeah And, and to be able to, to do that. So, and, and I know I'm, I have a friend who's an empath. And I mean, she just says that it took her the longest time to really figure out that way of of building that protective bubble because otherwise she would just go home and sob because she would yeah. be so overstimulated with so many other people's emotions yeah. and caring too much for everything.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, mine, mine has been to the point where it shifted the choices I've made in my own life based on on feedback that I've gotten or stories that I've heard because I feel like, Oh, well that directly affects me. I think, yeah, there's, I remember I was talking to my aunt when I was going through all of my heavy stuff. And she said that Chelsea, there is a way for you to be fierce and kind at the same time Yes, that you can have a voice and still be kind. And I realized that for me, the boundary is simply speaking, That I actually need to speak up and say what it is that I need to say and know that, I can say it with love and kindness, but it still needs to be said. Where in the past, I would think, is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy? And are they going to accept it? Where at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not they accept it. It's about I need to say it. Right. Because that's my truth. Right. And, and, you know, I have to do what's best for me in that moment to, to protect my heart or protect whatever, whatever the issue is right in front of us. But I can't not have a voice. Yeah.
0: Well, and it, it, it took you a while to find that voice or the, your true North voice to be yeah. able to, like you said, when you sat on the couch in your therapist's office and found that, that person found yourself. Yeah. That it was profound. Sure. Yeah. And,
1: profound. That, and I was saying, I think a little bit before about how, well, I was there. I remember saying to him, shame on me for not knowing, you know, being this young, naive mm-hmm. girl all throughout my twenties. And I said, "Shame on me for not knowing." And he looks at me, and he said, "Chelsea, shame on you for not knowing what you didn't know."
0: Yeah, there oh my you go. God, there it is. Because we don't know what we don't know, right? We don't. And then we look backwards, and then that whole thing of feeling the guilt and the shame, and I should have known better. And it's like, but how do you know? You right. don't know until you know. I right. mean, there's no way to, we don't come out of the womb knowing all the shit we're supposed to know. For the oh, rest of absolutely. Our lives. And I, you
1: know, and I'm 35 now and I feel like, okay, I'm rumbling. I'm in this, this place. And I know that 45 and then 55, and I'll continue to evolve and and grow richer in my wholeness and my truer version of myself. And even when I look back at that and I think, man, that little girl all through her twenties and how young and how she just, she let life steer itself versus her being an active participant in it. I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't shift it because damn, That's the girl I am you, where today. Yeah, the woman that yeah. I am today. Yeah. Like it's, I, it's like I needed to see the other side of it in order to stand in who I am today. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it at all.
0: If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Uh,
1: well, I feel like everything I say is like, I can give you a the, the couple words and so then underneath will <laughs> be like a little asterisk that says like a paragraph explaining all of
0: it. Um, you, know, you don't have to explain it if you don't want to, but, but just what would it be in a small taste of why that would be your billboard?
1: Uh, very. Oh, I don't see it. Mine would just be like words. <laughs> just, okay. Not a picture right. of anything. For me, uh, I think it would just be the say yes very simply okay. say yes but i always feel like it needs to come with that bigger explanation because for me it, it wasn't until i started saying yes to the things that were calling out to me that i start to uncover the layers of who i really really am and who i really was in those moments
0: okay i so, like say yes that's a good one yeah say yes say yes but you but also and as you explained earlier you say you only say yes to the things that that really inspire or speak to you or speak to your heart or your soul, that you don't just indiscriminately say yes to everything.
1: Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, it's those things that I feel like when there're those things that really call out to you, and I don't know, maybe it took thirty five years for my for my for mine to get loud enough, or maybe for me to have enough awareness through yoga to actually hear it to give yeah. myself the space to hear and then listen to it. Those are the things because I have learned that when my plate gets too full, that that's very quickly where I say, I can't say yes to everything. I mean, even doing this podcast, it was the, okay, well I'm leaving for South Africa in a week and I, and it's tax season, you know, like of all these things, but, yeah. but if it feels like an easy, yes. And it feels like there's something calling from deep within inside of me to do it. And I think we all know what that is, or we all feel that there is something there and we don't know what it is and that say yes is then, then you have to try to find it. Like maybe that's your say yes is there's something deep inside of you that is, is trying to come up and come out, but we stay too busy and in our, in our daily lives to figure out what that is. So maybe that say yes is finding the time to create enough quiet so that you can love that.
0: That's wonderful. Well, and I'm, I'm so happy that you said yes to me because it's one of those things where I, I have such a great time speaking to all the women that are my guests, and I feel like it's a space to really showcase women and have other women listen to it. And the greatest thing was when I interviewed Catherine Budig and she said to me, you never know what something that you might say or something that your guest might say could completely impact someone else's life for sure and change their life completely mm-hmm. and that has been sort of the thing that has tugged me forward with all of this was because it, and when i originally started the idea for this podcast it was not about sharing women's stories in this particular way it was more mm-hmm. around autoimmune issues and healthcare and things that happen to women that don't get as much attention as they should for whatever reason mm-hmm. and then I was in a group that everybody said, Sherry, you're thinking too small. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. And then it was like, you've got these great stories. You are relatable. You have great conversation skills. You should just be talking with other women about their lives, period, and not limit it to someone that's having some sort of health issue or whatever. And then the ball started rolling and things just, For a while things got really out of control. I had too much shit I wanted to do. Yes, right. I was like, as my mentor called me, a speeding bullet train. Yes. And she's the one that kind of reined me in and kind of kept things on the rails. And ever since I've started doing this, it's there's never been something that's been more clear. My heart, my soul, my spirit, all of it that this was the space this i i I have these conversations and i get done and it's like i get so excited to have them in the first place and then i get done and i kind of forget about it then i sit down and edit everything and go that was really a great conversation i had so much fun well i still appreciate you making the time in the midst of of all of the things that you have coming up and things going on in your life to be with me here today and share your story it's uh it's it was a I, I kind of suspected some of this stuff just from what you had posted, but this was a, a great little sort of a deeper dive into all of that. And yeah, I appreciate you sharing. Oh,
1: well thank you for having me. This was this was a wonderful first podcast experience. <laughs> good. I
0: good. Liked it so well much. then then we'll we'll have to have another one because I think that we should have a conversation around yoga retreats and travel and and yeah. traveling as a woman and that sort of thing too. And we can dive a little deeper into some of that. So we'll circle back with that later. Perfect. I would love some, that. Some more of your trips and, and yeah. do that again. So thank yeah. you so much, Chelsea. And oh. I look forward to speaking to you again.
1: Thank you for having me.